0: I can only dream myself into the middle of things Yet consciousness has no middle What has no boundaries has no middle Welcome to my series A collection of conversations where I hope to explore the mental and emotional processes of young minds This is my subconscious Tap in Yeah, throughout this week, I've been thinking about this concept of self-awareness and what it truly means to be present in oneself because normally I'd associate awareness with consciousness but I feel like there's more complexity to that connection and listening to your spoken word, Timothy 4, chapter 12 Everyone should go do that up <laughs> You shared so much wisdom especially the only ones you can see outside the picture are the ones who are standing outside the frame and personally, I feel like there's so much to say about the clash between how people perceive us and how we perceive ourselves. So what do you think it means to be, to actually be self-aware?
1: To be self-aware, I think it means, you know, to be aware of your emotions, your feelings, the things around you that, you know, affect um, how you act. I feel like they definitely defo have a... Um, part to play in your actions because you know most of your actions are led by your thoughts but a lot of your thoughts are sparked by your emotions so you know if i'm angry i may have an angry thought and if i go along with that thought i may do something out of that anger but i guess being self-aware is you know acknowledging the fact that i'm angry but maybe i don't have to actually um what's the word act out of that anger you know what i mean but yeah with the first timothy um, 412 um that was more of a concept of everyone um, the God in a way that you know God is outside the frame. He can see everything. We're just in the frame, and we can't see everything. And so I feel like a lot of the time in life, you know, people are you know trying to. They, a lot of people believe that because they're self-aware, they know they they know everything and they have all the answers, and so they can tell everything. They can tell everyone everything, when really and truly, the only person that has all the answers is God. And so that's why I said in the in the spoken word that unless you have a relationship with the person outside the frame, then you don't have a right to tell anyone anything. It's like a lot of people in a prison all trying to like like argue with each other, like about, you know, the outside world. Like you're all in the same prison. How do you how can you argue amongst each other? You know what I mean? But if someone outside of the prison now that's not in prison tells you something, then now you have that insight and you're able to then inform people.
0: Mhm. A part of Self-awareness is realising that emotions do not necessarily control you. I think it's realising that we have the ability to not let sensations overwhelm us and get the better of
1: us. 100%, 100% I agree with that. We're human, you get it. I'm going to say it from my perspective, as a perspective as a Christian. We're going to get tempted with things, you get it. I'm going to get tempted. I'm a human, I'm going to feel certain things. However, I have the choice to act out of that emotion. And that's what I call reacting, so you're not actually thinking about your actions, you're just reacting to the emotion, but where you're self-aware, you're able to acknowledge that action and then do something about it positively so that it doesn't control your actions, do you get what I mean? That's why it says be led by the spirit and not your flesh. But you're right, bro. Yeah, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I liked how you used the prison metaphor to kind of get at how when people are conflicted or when people do not have resolutions, It's not normally first instinct for us to look for answers within higher powers or higher entities that we cannot truly grasp or understand. As a Christian, I find it first instinct to look for answers within God. But for the people who aren't as faithful, or for the people who may have no faith at all, that first instinct is normally within themselves, and that can create more conflict sometimes. But how do people approach that conflict?
1: Hmm, That is a tough question. Usually, usually when somebody approaches me about a problem that they've had and you know they've tried to sort it out internally and it hasn't really worked when they've tried to look for them to themselves for the answer you know I've I've often said you know well do you think that there's a reason why when you look to yourself for the answer you can't find it and you know I think it often I think sometimes people actually have to run around the houses and you know look to themselves look to other people to try and to then actually come to the conclusion that, wow, nobody actually has the answer. But then that's where I step in and I say, well, God has the answer, you know what I mean? I think that, you know, if, if I'm not sure if everybody is familiar with the Adam and Eve story, but, you know, in the beginning it says that God gave humans dominion over all the earth. And so therefore, it's our natural instinct, it's our natural being to want to have dominion over things. And if that means we can't even have dominion over other people we at least want to have it over ourselves you know over our own lives and so that's when we are we are faced with problems we feel like we don't have to go to a next person to tell them about how we're feeling or to help us because we want to have control over it but sometimes it's actually more damaging than helpful as you said as humans we're built to be in communion and fellowship with people as in we're meant to have friends we're meant to have people around us we can't do life by ourselves you know and and solitude. It's not the best, it's not healthy at all. And I feel like if you have people around you who are aware of that and who are able to help you through those times, it will it will help you to become more aware of the kind of person that you are and the kind of issues that you have at hand. But in terms of the solution, my my answer is God. I can't really give another answer apart from God because I don't feel like that would be even fair of me to give a opposing a, a or alternate you know what's the word solution if i feel like there isn't one that's that would be against my my morals you know what i mean
0: yeah i completely understand that and you have every right to have that mentality bro and you're right that there's truth in togetherness but i also feel like what allows us to truly appreciate the people around us friends and family is to just take a break sometimes you know And what I mean by rest isn't complete self-isolation, although isolation is key. I mean, just not succumbing to the pressures that we face every day and not trying to follow this instinct, as you said, not trying to just take dominion over everything, especially things we cannot control.
1: Honestly, honestly, breaks are so needed. Even this time of coronavirus, you know, where life's been disrupted, it's been interrupted. And now I'm at home with my family more. Before where it was just a case of, I see you, my bro, my sis. A little, you know, exchange in the hallway. But I'm doing my thing. Now there's so much time in a day to actually spend more time, you know what I mean? And actually bond and get closer and, you know, find out more about your family. But yeah, no, literally, literally, bro. I think that a lot of the time, when people are so focused on their dreams and they're so focused on their grind, they get very, very busy and sometimes they actually forget the most important things in life, you know what I mean? When your family is around there 24-7, that sometimes they're right in front of you, you don't even see them, if you know what I mean. (laughs) And and that's something that I I, I don't know for everyone, but I definitely fall into that sometimes and it's not purposeful, it's just, you know, I've got my vision and yeah, this is what I'm doing and then, you know, sometimes I actually forget, oh, right, I actually live with a family that you know, are actually other people that have other lives, other dreams. And, and I should get to know them because they're my family. I feel like I do know them, obviously. But, you know, just more, more in depth, they should be your family, but they should also be your friends, you know
0: what I mean? No, 100% because when people think about this concept of getting to know our families again, it just sounds a bit bizarre. But I feel like people need to understand that just as we change, our families change, people within our families change. So it's also important to stay updated with everyone and really understand the people who make you, you. But you know, something I've realised from talking to my friends is that due to this mutual understanding that there are systematic problems around the world, it's actually led to a lot of division within families, especially people our age and their parents. And this is due to people having different approaches and opinions to what the media presents to us every day. And I think that's a generation thing, you know, like the morals do not change within generations, but the opinions definitely do. That's why we see young people at protests and not necessarily our parents at protests.
1: Mm, That's interesting, you know, because it's not until of late, you know, in terms of I'm talking maybe the age of hmm, 14, 13, that we started talking about race in my family like that. In terms of, you know, my mum wouldn't have to tell me, you know, you're a black boy, so you've got to do this and things like that, you know what I mean? Because that's, I was a little kid, I wasn't thinking about black, white, you know what I mean? But, however, as I started, you know, going out into the world by myself, you know, travelling to secondary school on the bus by myself, you know, having that more freedom to go out into into the world, into the street without my parents behind me, you know, there's obviously a certain kind of way that they would want me to act. And part of that wasn't, you know, you have to, like, posh or anything, but remember, you're a black boy and there are certain stereotypes around black boys, so try not to play into them, you know what I mean? With that thing about protesters, I feel like you may see young people there but not old because, in a way, us young people are seeing this for the first time and it's not because it doesn't happen, it's because now it's being recorded, you know what I mean? Whereas they've been seeing it, you know, the older generation have been seeing it, And maybe they're just tired now. They've been seeing it for 30, 40, 50, 60 plus years and it's just, it's rattling. Whereas us, we have that energy because we're like, nah, man, this is not cool.
0: Yeah, I completely relate to that because playing into stereotypes was just something that we were taught to avoid because the amount of stereotypes, you know, they're never ending for black boys and for black girls. So at that time of growing up, it just seemed like something that we just had to deal with and that kind of plays into how our opinions developed over time you know once we became exposed to the outside world it just allowed us to develop our own opinions instead of feeding off our parents ones and that combined with the circulation of the media just allowed us to become more self-aware because once we see things on the news and we just feel like you know like that can't run you know like (laughs) It just it really develops our personalities at the same time and our morals yeah
1: but i think that there's there was beauty in that you know because as you started you know forming your own opinions from based on what was happening around you when you went out you sometimes often most likely see the reason why your parents said what they said you know i mean oftentimes you disobey them and then you get into a problem and you realise that, oh, right, if I took my parents' advice, maybe I wouldn't be here. Well, for me, I can say that, you know
0: what I mean? Yeah, and it's that approach which kind of leads me into thinking about this whole concept of microaggressions. Because growing up in a non-black neighbourhood with a lot of non-black friends, I didn't really understand what was the difference between a microaggression and what could be perceived as banter and jokes. It was only when I started to educate myself and listen to the experiences of other black people is when I understood the difference between right and wrong, you know, and follow through with what my parents taught me. And the thing is, that not only allowed me to realise when jokes weren't just jokes, but it allowed me to develop the confidence to start calling people out and kind of educating other people and also realise the implicit bias within people who don't come from the same background as you. bro.
1: I agree with that and it's funny because you know I was even though I was raised in terms of you know uh, in a a neighbourhood that wasn't white it was very black and I went to a school that was very black both primary and secondary school I still felt you know not as in touch with my culture like that and and something like you know race or whatever when when we joked about it in secondary school and that it wasn't really like I took too much offence to it even though I knew that maybe some things that people were saying were offensive you know what I mean? It's kind of like we're all just immature and overlooked it but nah, I definitely agree with you now I'm more educated and stuff but, you know, I can, I can say I'm fortunate to have not run into too many issues with race a couple, but not explicit races about that little, little stuff I remember, uh, not too long ago actually, it was this year you know, I would be on a train and just the amount of looks I'll get. Like they're just looking at me like, this guy's reading a book? This black boy is reading a book and a you, Like, you know what I mean? But it's calm. I didn't take to it too much, but just things like that, subtle, subtle things that you
0: notice. Literally, bro, I have so many experiences which are similar to that. And it's almost frustrating that it's surprising to some people to see a black man we're a black young man that is educated but then again that's where i feel like it all ties into being self-aware because there should not be any frustration when we have an understanding that we are on a different path a path that is not aligned with the perceptions of ignorant people and i think that paves the way for growth because it allows us to not construct an image based off of the views of other people but
1: then do you think that it changes do you in a, in a in a tiny way, you know, because I can speak to you, you know, as a black brother to a black brother, just how I normally speak, you know, and slang and just talking. But whereas where I might be in an interview or I might be around certain white people, I might change up my voice a tiny bit, you know, speak a bit more formal. Yeah, that is the realest thing. To make it make sense, you know what I mean? Or to be accepted, quotation marks.
0: And it's like... I noticed that in my parents before I started to notice it in myself. I'd hear my parents within business calls, meetings, and you just hear that Nigerian accent dissipate, you know, just vanish. (laughs) But to me, that almost felt like an adaptation, and that we just got used to the surroundings, our surroundings. And with that, I'm not too sure on whether that's a bad thing. I'm kind of on the fence, but... It's definitely not the best representation of, you know, living unapologetically and being you and owning your identity without any doubts. I
1: couldn't agree more, man, honestly. I feel like yeah, we shouldn't have to live in a world where, you know, I change the way I speak as well as long as I'm saying the words, you know, and I'm and I'm not, you know, talking a a really what's the word, unbroken way. Unless that's how I speak, you know, people from African countries and other countries, you know, in the Caribbean islands and stuff like that, they speak actually like that. But I guess, in the working world, you know, you shouldn't have to make your voice white, quotation marks. And so I'm definitely in agreement with you to say that, um, yeah, I'm definitely on the fence about that, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. But I do think that it's a good skill to have good English, though. I I think it's a good skill to have, because, you know, obviously both me and you are writers, we're spoken word artists, whatever you want to call us. (laughs) We have a way with words, you know what I mean? And so, because we're both good at English, well, you know, even if the grade doesn't doesn't reflect that, because mine didn't necessarily reflect it, but.
0: <laughs> nah, we, <laughs> we don't have to talk about grades if you don't want to. We're
1: able to form sentences and speak in a way that will captivate people, even if we're not speaking, quote unquote, white. You know what I mean?
0: But yeah, I think it all ties into adapting to our environment and being our own people you know maintaining our self-identity and that can be a struggle sometimes but sometimes we have to just take pride in the struggle i see it as establishing a home ground you know a place of comfort that we can always return back to in the midst of stress and losing this idea of self-awareness to establish a home ground is to truly understand who you are And especially the morals and the principles that you stand for.
1: One hundred percent, bro. One hundred percent. That's that's another thing. Being black, and you know, being a Christian. You know, sometimes hard because, you know, when you are a Christian, you live by the spirit. But however, you're a black person, and so you're seeing the physical. You know, you're seeing your people oppressed. You're seeing certain things going on, and it's hard not to react. You know, I mean, because you're a Christian and. And a lot of people say you know i'm a black christian i'm a white christian really and truly that's not that's not good because they're using the color as the adjective you know what i mean when really and truly the adjective is christian you know what i mean so i'm a christian black person i'm a christian writer i'm a christian actor you know what i mean it's those things it means that everything you do dictates everything you do is dictated by the fact you're a Christian do you get what I mean so that's what I do you know I I, I say yes I'm black but I'm a Christian before I'm black you know what I mean and so the way that I may react to certain issues um, concerning the black community I won't react to them the same way now because I am a Christian and the way that our life is guided by the Bible so that's my home ground that's where I go for you know to seek refuge for you know when things get hard when stress comes that's why i go to the bible i seek god
0: and i admire that so much man no thank you for sharing some advice bro it's been good this exploration of how we identify ourselves has been really interesting so yeah thank you
1: we're built to be in communion and fellowship with people as we're meant to have friends we meant to have people around us we can't do life for ourselves you know solitude it's not the best it's not healthy at all
0: this has been joshua alexander an established actor and spoken word artist and thank you guys for tuning in it's been wonderful and there's a lot more to come with the next conversations so stay tuned peace